sermon, 52 sermons on Jesus uh, this year, and God, I thank you for each disciple that made a commitment of baptism and has stuck to it through thick and thin, and I just pray you bless the church in even greater ways the rest of this year. God, I do pray a special prayer for the Word of God. May it come from the pages, or the PDAs, or the iPads, and move into our hearts. May we be captivated not by anything else today, but by Your Holy Spirit penned for us generations ago that still stirs our soul now. Thank You for each person. Thank You for every leader in the church that serves. Thank You for all those that put the service together and have led the service up to this point. And thank You for all the great things that I get to share right now about Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, uh, to Revelation chapter 1. It's been a great year uh, so far. I don't know if you feel like that, but it's all where you're standing. And uh, we've seen over 70 people uh, baptized and restored, maybe close to 75 people baptized and restored so far, uh, six months into the year, which is really encouraging. Everyone stands for a changed life. And if you think back to your conversion and how much God changed you, that's a big deal. I'm excited about missions as we share good news about that today. I'm excited about our youth ministry and it reviving and growing and building across the region. Uh, there's a, the singles ministry is having its best year uh, so far over the last three years since we brought together the singles. Really, I have a special place in my heart for the singles ministry. Um, did I say the singles ministry is amazing? Okay. It's great. We have uh, about uh, six or eight new campus interns that have been raised up this summer. Uh, the MOE, the Spanish ministry on the west side, uh, and the and the MLA, which is a Spanish ministry down south, uh, they've had a weekly baptisms combined. The two of them had weekly baptisms over the last eight weeks, which is really encouraging. And um, yeah, I'm just on behalf of the elders and the staff, we are so grateful to lead you and to partner with you. We feel like we're in this together. We're so thrilled about what God is doing through us together, and we appreciate your humility, your trust in us, your love for us, your love that covers over the multitude of our sins. Uh, we're grateful that you're helping us grow, and we want to continue to help you grow, and we want to finish cross the finish line together. Amen? You know, uh, we talked about here Jesus uh, preaching about him for a year. You see, how do you do that and stay inspired? Let me say... We can preach about Jesus well more than 52 weeks and still be inspired. In fact, Jesus is the source of our inspiration, and He's the one that's going to carry us all the way through. When we lose our love for Him, when we lose our awe, this kind of an awe versus awe, that kind of an awe, when we lose our awe for Him, we're on our way to fading away. And Satan's over there just reeling us in, 
pulling us in one thread at a time, unraveling our convictions. And it's so great that we got to study through the entire book of Hebrews together and talk about Jesus over the last uh, month and a half, or month that is. And, you know, even though uh, Jesus is a historical figure, He is someone that's personal. He's alive today. He still gets me juiced now. And I still get excited. Even as I was putting this lesson together, I thought, wow, this is really cool. This is exciting, talking about Jesus. And um, I just hope today you're ready to learn some new things. You know, part of growing is seeing Jesus in new ways. Just like in your marriage, you know, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years. I know some of the sisters are like, oh, Michelle, she's a saint like you. Um, but I have grown over the 20 years and uh, spent a lot of grace and so on and so forth. But just like in our marriage, if I don't continue to see Michelle in new ways and see new things I like about her and learn new things about her and see her in a different way, then our love starts to wane. And it just becomes stale and you just kind of go through the motions of life. And so that's the call as husbands to keep loving our wives and seeing them in new and different ways. Being amazed at them in new and different ways. And it's the same thing with Jesus. And I'm so thankful for Michelle. We love each other. We have a lot of fun together. She's the brains of the operation. I want to say I'm the brawn, but that would be lying. Or the, or the face, that would be exaggerating. Um, let's just say I'm in charge, but we're working together and she's the brains of the operation. Is this uh, keynote working? Okay, great. Uh, but today I want to talk about seeing Jesus in new ways. And uh, I have a pin on today. This is uh, the pin of excellence. Uh, it's not mine. I'm not boasting about how I'm excellent. But uh, Danielle just got back a week ago today from two weeks in the wilderness. And uh, she survived. She graduated her wilderness survival school and uh, went two weeks with no shower, no flush toilet, no refrigeration, no shampoo, no deodorant, no makeup. No running, you know, they got water out of the creeks and added iodine tablets to it, slept on the ground, did two days, 48 hours by herself in the woods. And if you know Danielle, that's a salute right there. And uh, I said, I said, Danielle, what did you do for two days? She said, I was so tired from canoeing 40 miles. The first day I slept, I woke up. I ate some gort, which is good old raisins and peanuts, because all they give you is a bagel and gort for two days. Then I went back to sleep. Then I woke up, ate some more gort, went back to sleep. You get it? Woke up, ate some more gort, went back to sleep, never got out of my sleeping bag. And uh, then I had my bagel for dinner. Um, but I'm so proud of her. And the whole reason I encourage her to go, people have asked, did you force her? You can't force someone to do that, something like that. And why would you try because I said, Danielle, if you can suffer, if you can push yourself beyond what you would normally do, you will see things about yourself that you'll really, really like and that you'll want to replicate the rest of your life. And that translates spiritually to us. If we can go through suffering, if we can go through boredom, if we can go through difficulty in our walk with Jesus, then we too on Judgment Day are going to get more than the pin of excellence. The Bible teaches that God Himself will give us a crown. Now, I don't know if there's a literal crown and 
you know, yours is in the case. It doesn't matter, but the picture itself is amazing. That God Himself will reward us and commend us personally. You know, we're going to talk today about a character in the Bible uh, that's very special to all of us, the Apostle John. And uh, the Apostle John was exiled onto the uh, uh, island of Patmos, which is about 15 miles away from Ephesus. It's in Greece today. It's in the Aegean Sea. And uh, he was cast there during Emperor Domitian's rule. Emperor Domitian was killing Christians and persecuting Christians in a very brutal way. And so John, being a preacher of God's Word, the only one alive of the twelve apostles at that point, an old man, probably about 75 to 80 years old at this point, was put on this island. And one of the commentators from the first century said he was working in mines. They had him working underground in mines. Whether that's true or not, you can ask John when you see him. But why not? And so here is this elderly guy, John the Apostle, on this island of Patmos, kind of feeling some things, I would guess. I mean, think about it. He could be feeling what menial work at the end of my life. How unfair this is. How amazing, after all this, it now resorts to this. After all I've given. I think he thought back to that time Many years ago, almost 60 years ago, he thought back to that time with Jesus and Peter in that conversation where he, Jesus says, if I want to remain, him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? I'm sure at that point, John kind of puffed his chest and said, yeah, baby. But I think now those words meant something very different to him. Going, wow, Jesus, you've kept me alive when all my brothers, the other 11, have been martyred many, many years ago. And the suffering that's been kept in my life through that time because I've been kept alive. I think, as here, here this man, 75 years old, the last man standing alone, his brother gone, the one son of thunder was physically and mentally broken. Beaten down. How could you not? Relegated to obscurity. And he had no idea what it meant until now when they said, Jesus, we want to sit at your right and your left in glory. Even had mom kind of help on out right there. I think that conversation haunted him and it came back. And they said, as young people do, Jesus says, do you, can you drink this cup of suffering? And they said in unison, in stereo, we can. It's amazing when you're young and untested how zealous you can be. And overconfident, oh yeah, baby, you betcha, two cups. That's why God gave, that's why God gave me, that's why God gave me two hands. I'll be, and you know how guys are. I could see John or James snickering saying, I'll drink yours too, buddy. But I think today, as he's now on this island of Patmos, I think this whole concept, we can, as he was drinking the dregs of bitterness, He felt, I need some inspiration. And do you realize that the Christian life is all about inspiration? It doesn't mean you're always feeling good. If you're looking for a fix, I just want to feel good. You'll become like one of those church hoppers. Where you just hop from church to church. Ooh, I like that music. Ooh, I like that preacher. 
Ooh, I like that program. And then you'll find something you don't like because it's people that run it. And then you'll hop to the next high, the next fix. And you'll even treat God that way until you just lose interest. And I think John felt, as he's on this island of Patmos, I need some inspiration. And that's what the word means. To inspire means to breathe life into. And as we look at Jesus in different ways, it breathes life into us. Hebrews 13.8, we just finished our study, says Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday. When? Today. When? Forever. And I think John needed to remember this. John needed this inspiration. John needed a personal visit from Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, we're going to do a short study here out of Revelation chapter 1. And then we'll close a reading a little section in 21. But we'll study these 15 verses. or uh, Yeah, 15 verses. In John chapter 1 verse 4, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits before His throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve His God and Father to Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, He is coming with the clouds. Ascending. And every eye will see Him. And even those who pierced Him. And all the peoples of earth will mourn because of Him. So shall it be. Amen. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. What an incredible picture. You know, the, the book of Revelation, the word means unveiling. That's what the word means. And it's one of the most complicated books to me in the New Testament. In fact, I have a list of physical goals that I want to achieve this year, physical fitness goals. 
And then I said, you know, this is silly. I've got a list of physical fitness goals. Where's my list of spiritual fitness goals? Wrong order. So one of my things was study the book of Revelation because it's the book I've read the least in the New Testament because it's kind of complicated. And so Revelation 1, here's John, here's this older man in his late 70s getting a personal visit from Jesus. Needing some inspiration. And it's so cool how God unveils. And I just have one thing I want you to take away today. If you can learn to see Jesus in new ways, you'll find your way. You say, I'm not lost right now. Well, that's okay, but maybe tomorrow you might be. You say, I'm not going through any hard times right now. Well, you, that, that is no problem at all. But when you can learn... To see Jesus. And notice that I said learn. It doesn't just happen. Sin just happens. Laziness just happens. Drifting just happens. Being strong spiritually never just happens. We've got to learn. How do I inspire myself? How do I feed myself? You can't blame the preacher. I mean, you could. It just won't inspire you or get you very far. You can't blame your small group leader. You can't blame your wife. All those may be factors that affect you. But we've got to learn ourselves, how do I get inspired myself? You know, Danielle had an experience in the, on the trip where she uh, uh, put a foot down and it was swampy and muddy and her, it, the, the mud went and just sucked her boot. You know what I mean? So then she put her other one down, and guess what happened? The same thing. And so she had 60 pounds on her back, and she's rather short. And so suddenly, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so she was on her back like a turtle, and uh, in the mud. And the instructor said, and she was kind of intent, you know, eh, help, help. The instructor said, you can't control nature, but you can only control how you respond to nature. Now get up! No, she didn't say the last part. Uh, <laughs> They left her there with no water for two days. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I thought, what a great life lesson. You can't control a lot of things about life, but you can control with the power of the Holy Spirit how you can spiritually process anything and everything. You know, if you can learn to see Jesus in new ways, you will find your way. Through loneliness, through death, a lot of us are starting to bury our parents if we haven't already. It is hard. Through challenges with our children, challenges with letting down ourselves, challenges with our finances, challenges with I thought I woulda, shoulda, coulda, and it's not happening. All that's just go. Everybody goes through it. But when we can learn to see Jesus in new ways, we'll find our way. If the ushers could pass out a sheet right now, I'm going to give you a list of names of Jesus in the Bible. Does anybody know how many names there are of Jesus in the Bible? There is no prize. Anybody? Forty, sixteen, two hundred and forty-seven different names of Jesus in the Bible. So today, I'm convinced, you may not be, but I am, that after the lesson here and after our study of the Scripture, you're going to want to go read your Bible. You're going to want to go dig more in your Bible. Now, please don't get distracted by the sheet. It's just a little freebie that you get to take 
If we could actually take one per couple, that way the couples can work together and there's enough for everybody. So if you got one as a couple, just go ahead and hand it in. But right there is 247 different names for Jesus in the Bible. Don't you think there could be one new one that would inspire you today? That can inspire your study of God's Word. Let's break down this passage here rather quickly. How do you see... Let's get practical. How do we see Jesus in new ways? How do we see Jesus in new ways? First thing we have to do on a practical level is develop present spiritual awareness. You know, there's a curtain behind me. And the book of Revelation is this whole idea of unveiling. We've all seen the commercial, the movie, the scene, where they walk out, there's a sheet over something, and boom, they pull the sheet. And everybody goes, oh. That there's something underneath. And the Bible's telling us from this passage and from the book, it was encouraging Christians that were going through such a hard time, way harder than anybody in this room, that there's a scene going on behind the surface. There's a spiritual battle going on behind our suffering, our sickness, our struggle with our marriage, our kids, our own struggle to become a Christian, to have desire, to keep motivation. There's something going on behind the curtain. Not this curtain, but a curtain. That there's a spiritual realm. You say, I already know that. I know that most of you know that. Some people didn't know that. But how we connect with that and develop that, why do I say present spiritual awareness? Because at one time, when we first became Christians, we were very aware. We go, man, two weeks ago, I would be at a club right now. Two weeks ago, I would have been in bed with my girlfriend. She's not even my girlfriend anymore. Two weeks ago, I would have said this about my boss. Right now, I'm walking out of this part of the office because I want nothing to do with that type of slander or gossip. Two months ago, I would have done this with the guy at high school. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's a whole different mindset. And you see here in John that John needed encouragement from Jesus to develop some current spiritual awareness. You say, John was with Jesus. Yeah, it was a long time ago. You say, John was an incredible apostle. Yes, he was, but he was alone. And John needed inspiration. And we need inspiration. You know, when we go through problems, all we can see is us. And I just want to spur you on today to realize, as you look at this picture on the screen, let's not look at all the names of Jesus right now. This is something that, that's, I know, the Word of God is like, you just can't, it just pulls you. But just, just hold on. Stay with me. A little bit longer. When we look at the world, all we see is the bright light in California. Sucking all the power from everybody else. See all that? So, there's, there's us. In fact, I can see Maricosta High School. It's actually right in that blob of light. It just makes you realize how small you are. How there's a whole realm going on outside of your world. I'm five, seven, and three quarters. And, uh, that's tall for my family, so there. And, um, but there's a world beyond 5'7", or even the tallest person that's 6'6", or 6'7", or whatever you are in the room. That's not much taller than me, by the way. There's a, I mean, it is, but relatively speaking, 
there's a world way beyond five, seven, and three quarters. Or let's just say five, eight. Um, there's, a, there's a world... Well, the average male is five, nine, so I'm a little below average, okay? But there's a world way beyond my vantage point. And when you look up at that screen and you think about where's God? What's God doing? How is Jesus working right now? Which part of Jesus do I need right now? How is He developing me? Where is He taking me? What's going on behind the curtain? Boy, does it change our perspective about obedience to God, about repentance, about complaining, about grumbling, about feeling sorry for ourselves, about procrastination, about laziness, about just being ho-hum about God, about, about all kinds of things. It changes our whole perspective when we develop present spiritual awareness, where we see things as they are, not as you feel or as they appear, but you see them as they are. What's going on in the spiritual reality right now? I love what he says. He says, grace and peace to you. And that's what happens. When we are close to God, we feel God's favor and it gives us a divine calm. And we need constant inspiration to have that. He says, from Jesus, who is, who was, and who is to come. You know, we can read that and not sense any spiritual awareness. But this is true. He's called the faithful witness, which is another word for a prophet. He speaks for God. He's called the firstborn from among the dead. That means not only is he the only one to resurrect from the dead or the first, but he's got the title of highest honor. Out of anybody that has ever risen from the dead, Jesus is supreme among all those. He's called the ruler of the kings of the earth. Meaning that no matter what kingdom has ever been, or what kingdom will ever come, or what office has ever been given, or whoever's had the most physical authority, Jesus has more. He has been in control. He will always be in control. When it doesn't look like He's in control, He's still Lord. And that brings a great security in our lives. He's over everyone. He loves us, and it says He's freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, and priests to serve His God and Father. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And I love what he says right here. John goes, look, He is coming. And I think John thought back to that day back in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended and the angels came to Him and said, what are you doing standing there staring in the sky? <laughs> Jesus just floated away like a helium balloon. That's what I'm doing. I mean, they said the same Jesus you saw will come back the same way. And I think John thought back to this time. And he remembered that, that day 60 years earlier. And the talk with the angels. And this picture is out of Daniel chapter 7. You can go look at it in Zechariah 12. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. Then all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him. You know, I thought a lot about this. Why will all the people mourn because of Him at that point? I think they're going to mourn with regret. This was real. I don't know the Son of God. I, I used to follow the Son of God. I didn't know there was a Son of God. 
I didn't know there was something going on behind the curtain. I didn't know Jesus was real. I heard the stories. I went to church. He wasn't real to me. I used to do that a long time ago. They're going to see it and they're going to mourn, I think, because of regrets. He says, so shall it be, amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the Greek letters of the alphabet, the beginning and the ending letter. God's at the beginning of all things and is at the end. He's like two bookends in our life. He holds us up. He, who is, who was, and who is to come. He's the Almighty. And the Greek word for Almighty right here means the all-powerful one. It's used, that word is only used ten times in the whole New Testament, and nine of those times is in the book of Revelation. What a cool vision of Jesus. When we read this section of passage, he's called eight different things for us. To him who overcomes, eleven times you find in the book of Revelation. And when we worship him, when we follow him, when we are a brother to him, we are overcoming. And you can go do a study about what happens in Revelation 1 through 3 especially, but in other places, when we overcome. You know, often I can pray and just go through the motions and while I'm praying be distracted about other things. Often I can pray and I'm doing the right thing, but it's the heart's not there or there's not the excitement about Jesus. I'm not unexcited, I'm just not emotionally connected. There's not a overflowing, there's not an affection. And I have to work at it. I've got to cultivate it. You know, I want to lift up the parents. All of you that have been raising your kids in Christ, great job. Keep it up. My mom had, my mom's a disciple, my mom had eight children, and it was a zoo, because you know, you see me and then you imagine, I was probably the worst. But anyway, she says, she's told me often, Marco, she's been a disciple 24 years, she's almost, she'll be 78 next week. She said, Marco, I couldn't do what you do. I raise children, you're training them spiritually, and that takes a lot of work. Now she could do it, because she's intense, you know, hard worker. But she sees the amount of work it takes to train children spiritually versus keep them out of jail, put macaroni and cheese in their mouth, get them to through school. You know, that's one aspect. But like I told a guy on a bike ride yesterday, I'm training the heart. I'm not just raising the kids. I'm trying to train the heart. And you know, he had like, oh yeah, like he had no idea what I was talking about. But parents, keep it up. Keep developing that present spiritual awareness. It'll make a difference. Teens, I know your world is small in some ways. You're just starting out life. And the spiritual thing is, it's new, it's foreign, it's growing, it's developing. But try to think from higher up. Think from the heavens. What does God think of me? What is God doing? What's God doing in my high school? Think beyond the just current situation, the current stress, the current temptation. Teens, don't live a double life. That's not most of you, but it's always some of you. Don't be those that are living the double life. Really? Why? Now, don't quit either. Just get open and get on track. But, but be genuine. Have your faith. Have a spiritual awareness that's real in your life. If you're not a Christian today and you're studying the Bible, make the jump to believe the Bible and to start obeying it. When you do, there's a whole world. The curtains will open and there's a whole world that will come to you. You know, if you're discipling one another, 
which some of us are and some of us aren't. Think about this. In the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus' final words to Peter were, Take care of the church. He could have told him a lot of things. And he did tell him a lot of things. But when he came back resurrected, he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Do you think it was just Peter or just the ministers? Peter, take care of my lambs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, feed my sheep. We've got to help each other spiritually. And I know many of you do, and I praise you for it. But those of us that are kind of a little lax in the discipling, step it up. You need some help too. Now, we'll still give it to you even if you haven't been given any. But come on. Let's work together. Let's go after this. You know, the second thing we see here in this passage is that no matter where we're at, we can always contribute to the spiritual battle. Always. You say, you don't know my situation. I don't know your situation, but I know you can contribute to the spiritual battle. I do know that. He says, I, John, verse 9, your brother and companion in the suffering. John was going through it too. And patient endurance. He's saying, I'm long-suffering. It's hard to endure. It hurts, but I'm in it with you. And so here's this older man working in the mines by himself, not with the brothers and sisters. They're 15 miles away in Ephesus across the ocean. The agency, I mean. And, and what does he tell him to do? Write what you see. Do what you can. And we can do a lot no matter what situation we're in. We can do a lot. And we've got to always contribute to the spiritual battle. He says 12 times in the book of Revelation, right on the scroll. You know, when I think about people that are in the battle, I think of Maggie Blunt. Uh, Maggie's in the um, Long Beach ministry and just a hero. And, you, you know, I've shared about her before, but she made such an impression on me as a younger person from an older person. Here's Maggie, retired Eyes not as good, coming to the all-night prayer. And she'd come up to me. She's kind of short. She's, Marco, I'm going to have to be leaving tonight about one or two in the morning. Okay? Because i got to get back. Because I just don't do too well when I'm not on my blood pressure medication. Why aren't you on your blood pressure medication? Because I wanted to come to the all-night prayer and it makes me sleepy. So I wanted to be here. Till one or two, and then I'm heading back to go to bed. And any of you that know Maggie Blunt, I mean, she's intense. You know, I asked some of the brothers, hey, tell me if some other people like this in your church. Uh, there's a sister in the MOE, Sylvia Lazo. Been a disciple 20 years. She's 66 years old, 67. I, I didn't write it down right. She has insomnia. Sergio told me, Marco... She never misses anything. She's always out at evangelism times. She leads the group. She leads a Bible talk during the day. And she leads the group of the older sisters, the Noamese. And they just baptize somebody. But you can always count on Sylvia, challenges and all, age and all, to be in the battle. We can always be in the battle. Teens, don't be shallow like the world. It takes work to be in the battle. We all face boredom. We all go through things. It takes work to develop a relationship with God. It takes work to connect with God. 
Don't, don't give in to boredom. Don't give in to shallowness. Don't give in to, this is hard. It is hard. But get in the battle. Be in the battle. You know, if you're visiting today, we want to study the Bible with you. You say, I don't know if I want it with you. Well, okay. I'm just trying to be up front. We want to study the Bible with you. And not just like a group study where, what does this mean? 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 You just go around and then you go the other way and then you go the other way. Those are great studies. But more, we can sit down and go, hey, tell me where you're at spiritually. Tell me what your needs are. Tell me what you'd like to learn. Let me share with you about my conversion to becoming a Christian. Let me share with you about how God's changed my life. Let me share with you how I became a Christian. We want to study with you. Please study with us. This week, you've got to learn these many sides of Jesus. It changes your life. It's amazing how it changes your life. We can always be in the battle. And finally, we've got to turn around to see and hear Him. How do you see Jesus? One dimension, three dimension. How inspiring is He? Does He move you? You find, you know, I listened to this story of Revelation 1 on, in the car on the way here. That was not my preparation for the sermon. I'm just saying, I was listening to it, just soaking my mind. And my eight-year-old Natalie goes, that's scary. Because, you know, he fell down like dead and Jesus, don't be afraid. She's like, that's scary. You know, there is a part of Jesus that is sobering, overwhelming, and a little scary. He's the Son of God. He's not just holding a lamb. He's not just your boy. It's my boy right here, Jesus. We go way back. This was a different Jesus than John had fellowship 60 years earlier. I mean, John hadn't seen Jesus since he floated away. And here he is, and it was so overwhelming to John... John just says, I felt like I was dead. Maybe if I don't move, he'll go away. You know what I mean? Just, it freaked him out. And he says he turned around to see the voice that was speaking to him. And they give us this picture of Jesus with the robe and down to his feet and a golden sash and his head and hair white like wool. You can go read uh, in, in uh, Daniel about that, the Ancient of Days. As white as snow, his eyes were like blazing fire, symbolizing the piercing judgment of sin. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, symbolizing the altar when it would get hot to the point of glowing. That you see this picture of Jesus that's just intense. His voice was like the sound of rushing water. If you've ever visited a big waterfall, it's hard to talk over it. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Danny and I went out on a training hike to see the... And then we found out on the trail that there was an eclipse... And so we kept trying to look at it. And then we started realizing you can't really see it because the sun's too bright to notice it. So we're trying to look at it from an angle with our finger. You know, it just didn't work. But you can't even look at the sun. It'll hurt you. And that's the kind of power Jesus was giving off. We've got to turn around if we want to see and hear Him. I just want to focus on the power of the Word of God a second. The Bible is so amazing. I got giddy. That, that means excited. Just, think, just preparing the sermon going, this is so cool. Now, I don't always feel that, but I did then. 
And the Bible is so powerful. And the Bible talks about this presence, but what came out of his mouth, his communication was a sharp, double-edged sword. And that's who we are in his mouth. We speak for him. We stand for him. We cut for him. We pierce for him. We're his representatives. We communicate. Here's what he says, because most people don't read their Bible anywhere. Wouldn't know where to turn to anything. You know, back in 1946, and I want to talk to you about your hunger for the Word of God. Back in 1946, the war was over by about a year, and the Russians were taking over the whole eastern bloc of countries. And if you got sealed in on that side, it was over, so to speak. Communism, slave camps, all kinds of things. Those of you that are old enough to remember the Cold War and all that from the 50s and 60s, you know what I'm talking about. And there was a group of Jews from Poland that had been burned out of their home and in concentration camps and in the east. And they fled across Siberia. They fled across Western Europe trying to get back to their hometown to see is anybody alive. And they come to their hometown. It's burned out. It's rubble. There's no one there. All their family was murdered. And so they run to the synagogue. And all that's left is the foundation and a cellar in the basement. And so they open the cellar doors and they get ready to run down and some other Jews come running by fleeing the Russians that are coming from the Eastern Front. And they say, flee! Run for your lives! Don't you know that if you don't get to the American sector, you're going to be in trouble? And I love what he says. Be still, they told him. One must learn. And they found some burned pages of some commentary of the Torah. And they found a little candle, and they lit the little candle, and just put whatever pages together, and they just started reading this commentary about from the Torah. Because they were so hungry for the Word of God. It had been kept from them for years, that even their lives, where these guys are like, run! No, no! Be still! One must learn. What's your hunger like for the Word of God? What is your hunger like for the Word of God? I found this quote, if you truly wish your children to study Torah, this is about from the Jews, study it yourself in their presence. They will follow your example. Otherwise, they will not simply, they will not themselves study Torah, but will simply instruct their children to do so. If your kids don't see you reading your Bible, I'm not saying a kid comes in the room, That's not going to do it. I'm sorry. But if they don't see you loving, hungering, reading, teaching, speaking, wrestling, sharing, evangelizing the Word of God, because you have such a hunger for the Word of God, they'll tell their kids the same thing that you tell them by your life. We've got to have the courage to find, see, dig into the Word of God. It's like an iceberg. When we find things, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Look at this quote I found. It says, The Bible does not, does, doesn't yield its, its meanings to lazy people. Isn't that true? we got to dig in. And it's not so complicated that we have to be highly educated. It just means it takes work like everything else does. It's not just handed to us. And this sword that came out of his mouth was so powerful. You know, I'm so proud of uh, Lisa and Chidi and Joku. They're going to baptize uh, their oldest son, Isaiah, today at 1 o'clock. And it's so encouraging that they 
have raised their son to love God and he's going to be born again today. You know, tell me, how is your love for the Word of God? How is your hunger for the Word of God? Last Sunday we had Desiree Cervantes get baptized. Another one of the teens. And she was transparent, open about her sin, realized she needed to change, confronted with the word on her pride. She was defensive, but then turned, turned herself in as a young person, turned herself in, raised by a single parent. But I commend her mom. I commend the teen ministry. I commend Desiree to go, I'm going to honor the word of God, even as a young person and has become a Christian, your sister, just last week. I want you to take that sheet and I want you to circle Maybe eight of those names. Go ahead. Pick one. One that you've never heard of. And in the month of July, study out for your times with God two a week and find new ways to see the Word of God. You know, the Jews say that the Bible, it's like a diamond. Every sentence of the text, they were called the people of the book. And you know, the Church of Christ of old also used to be called the people of the book. Notice, used to be called. We need to be called the people of the book. We love the Word of God. We let the Word of God mold us. But the Jews would say that every line of the text is like a diamond. It's got seven, a jewel with 70 faces. You just keep turning it and turning it and turning it and turning it and there's a new sparkle that comes from the Word of God. You know, John needed some inspiration. Jesus provided that inspiration. Let's just close right here in Revelation chapter 12 with this verse. But circle eight of those. Pick two a week and dig in your Bible and learn some new parts of who Jesus really is. Be inspired at Him. Turn and turn and turn this jewel with many faces. Jesus says in Revelation 22, verse 12, and John writes, we'll close right here, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's get excited then. Transport yourself for a moment to that day for you. My reward is with me. And I will give to who? Each person according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into this city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, it's on your sheet, and the offspring, it's on your sheet, of David. And the bright morning star, it's on your sheet. The Spirit and the bride say what? Come! And let the one who hears say, Come! And the one who is thirsty, Come! And let the one who wishes to take this free gift of the water of life. Verse 20, he who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen.